feel free to stay in that place with your eyes closed as I talk. Um, if you start snoring, the person next to you has got permission to just nudge you in the, in the ribs, um, but I don't mind. Um, apologies, it's so cold in here this morning. <laughs> it's like, um, I don't quite know what's going on with the temperature, but apologies. Um, yes, so we are spending January digging into Jesus being the Prince of Peace. We celebrated at Christmas God entering humanity in the person of Jesus. Uh, and he was the peace bringer. He is the peace bringer. And if you cast your mind back to pre-Christmas, um, or you might have even read it since, the angels uh, greeting the shepherds on the hillsides outside of, of Bethlehem, they said uh, that Jesus was born. This is good news, and that means he brings peace. And his peace rests on all those who he, who he favours. And we could look at that and go, oh, well, that's a bit exclusive. Well, just spoiler alert, that's all of us, okay? Uh, God favours all of us. He loves all of us. Uh, so make sure, if you want to know more about that, you come on January the 28th, because in a couple of Sundays' time, it's our all-in service, and we're going to be looking at that. It's going to be fun. So, um, But yes, Jesus brings peace, and the angels proclaimed that, uh, when they met the shepherds, that he brings peace to all of us. It's available to us. And last week, for those of you that weren't here, Pip spoke, uh, began the new year speaking about Jesus calming the storm. If you didn't listen to that talk, if you weren't here or you didn't know we even existed back then, um, you can listen to previous talks on Spotify and SoundCloud. And I would really encourage you to listen to Pip's talk last week. She encouraged us to recognize the storms that we find ourselves in, to look to Jesus in those storms and to practice being in his presence. Um, one of the lines she used was, whatever you do, wherever you go, live in his presence. Do whatever you can to live in his presence. All, all of this enables us to experience his peace. Okay, slight aside. Um, are any of you watching Traitors? Oh, only a, oh, a couple of people. Or maybe you're a bit too shy to admit it. Uh, um, Graham and I have not watched the first series of Traitors, but we decided there was quite a lot of hype over it and we wanted to see what it was about. So we have begun the second series. Oh, my goodness. It's brilliant. Partly because it's Claudia Winkleman's the host and she is like one of my heroes. Um, but it is, it's absolutely fascinating. If you like people watching or you're interested in people, which Graham and I are, um, it's just such a fascinating program to watch. Um, you get to see, really see some people um, and some people really surprise you. Um, I won't give anything away in case you want to watch it, but um, I asked that question um, because this little world that is Traitor's Castle up in the Scottish Highlands, even if you just watch it for the scenery... Like, I want to go and live in the Scottish Highlands just because of watching Traitors. Um, this little traitor, I say little Traitors Castle, it's massive. Um, that peace is not something that is evident in this castle, um, or castle, as most of you would say. Um, it's not the overriding emotion. Um, nobody really knows who's being real and authentic. No one knows who the traitors are. You know, there's speculation, there's lies, there's persuasion. Truth seems almost ir irrelevant um, when drawing conclusions. Um, lots of people really go with their gut to try and decide. Turns out their gut is totally wrong. But the next day, they still go with their gut. 
and still get it wrong. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, re it's really interesting. Emotions are running high. The round tables are intense and push people to the edge. Sorry, if, if, if you're like, what on earth are you talking about? See if you can watch a trailer and it might <coughs> you might understand. But needless to say, those that are faithful are worried that they're going to get murdered or banished. Uh, those that are traitors are worried that they're going to get found out. Um, watching it for me, hands up. And I'm not saying this is good or a model to uh, follow. Uh, it's pure escapism. Uh, by looking at them and their lives and the people that they are means I don't have to think about my own. Um, so... As I say, not that that's a good thing. Um, but the opposite of peace is evident in the traitor's castle. There is no trust. There is conflict. There's animosity. There's hostility. The opposite of peace. Um, and it's just a game. But yet, in some respects, I think it shows uh, us a little insight into real life. Uh, last week in Pip's talk, uh, she encouraged us to... Oh, no. I've got one more sentence before that. Um, Traitors is just a TV program. It's not real life. But yet I think we probably can all identify things that rob us of peace, even though we're not living in that traitor's castle. So what is it that robs you of peace? Last week in Pip's talk, she encouraged us to recognize the storms we're in to, to find those things and to maybe make a list. Some of you might be anti-lists, some of you might love a list. Um, but I wonder how many of you went home and made a list this week. Um, I know from conversations in our small group, quite a few of us made lists. Um, but just have a think. Have a think. If you were to make a list of, th of the storms you're in or perhaps the things that you're worried about, I wonder how long that list would be. I was on the Vineyard Kids team last week. Um, and for those of you that don't know, the, the Vineyard Kids teams every week, they look at the same stuff in their groups that we look at in here. So there's correlation, there's connection. And last week, um, they were learning a memory verse for this month, which is John 14, 27. Peace I give you, my peace I leave with you. Do, I don't, do not give as the world gives, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And we were looking at that verse. We were also looking at the storm and Jesus calming the storm. And at the end, we got into groups to pray. And, um, and I was sitting with two of the, of the kids and I, I was like, is there anything you're worried about that we can pray for? And they just looked at me and they were like, nope. I was like, well, this is going to be a quick prayer, isn't it? Um, but in that moment, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me. Because if they'd said to me, Libby, what are you worried about? What can we pray for for you? I could have given them a whole long list of all the things that I was worried about. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, they, they have no worries because they trust their parents. They trust, they trust God. They just, they're, they're like, they're coming to me as children. Will you come to me as a child? So I had a really profound moment in that. Uh, and the Lord really spoke to me. Because as I said, my list would be substantial. Um, my list is. But the discipline is to sit with the Lord and look at that list together. To go through it and to hear his voice. And so that is something I'm working on. And um, for those of you that might be new to church or may have never read any of the Bible, um, Needless to say, Jesus said some quite clear things about the subject of worry. 
So we are going to look at those this morning. Um, but just to be really clear on a couple of things. Firstly, um, as I've already hinted at with my substantial list, um, this is not something that I have sorted in my life. I am not a worry-less person. I am a work in progress. I'm on a journey. Um, there's a phrase that's, 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 that goes, I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where there's bread. So I want you to know that I'm not standing up here as someone who's got this um, nailed. And if any of you have, then I'd really love you to pray for me at the end of the service. Um, and secondly, in no way do I speak anything this morning that is of any judgment or condemnation over any of us that are struggling with anxiety. And I know a number of us in our church family have, um, are struggling with uh, worry being so overwhelming that it is life affecting. Um, and so hear me when I say this, you know, uh, if you face anxiety that is overwhelming and you are on medication or you um, think that you might need to speak to a doctor about medication, that is in no way a reflection of or on your relationship with the Lord. Like God gave us modern medicine. It is a gift from him to us. It's a way in which his kingdom can break in. So please hear me that there is absolutely no judgment here. And medicine is wonderful because it helps many of us keep a handle on this thing called anxiety. So, Google will tell you that worry is a normal part of life. Um, it's our thinking uh, that is taken up with the uncertainty of the future. And, and in some respects, worry is really important because it causes our brain to stop and think and protects us from danger in some aspects. It's when worry can become overwhelming and disproportional that it becomes a symptom of anxiety. And there is a difference between worry and anxiety. Just like there is a difference between worry and concern, worry can be immobilizing. Concern causes us to take action. So as we look at this peace that Jesus offers us, we need to look at this subject of worry this thing that might immobilize us. And we can ask him, uh, we can see what he says on that subject. So if you've got a Bible, paper or electronic, uh, then you might want to grab it. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the info table. We'd love to give you one if you would like that. Um, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. And I'm going to read from him. This. So this is Matthew, Jesus, one of Jesus's closest followers, his account of Jesus speaking. Jesus says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why would you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So even the title, I don't know if you're looking at your Bibles, but the the title in my Bible, it says, Do Not Worry. Really clear, really plain, uh, really straightforward. we've got the wrong slides I'm so sorry you just have to trust if you haven't got a bible with you and I've just read that I could have been making it all up you'll never know Um, but oh okay that's really helpful thank you Pip Um, the title do not worry there it is in bold print okay so Jesus probably didn't pause and say the title of this next section is Do Not Worry. Um, but that's the essence of what he's saying in those, in those verses. Um, and so in which case, um, I'm not sure I could be speaking about it because as I've already hinted at, I am not someone who is worry-less. But it's very clear. Do not worry about what you eat, what you'll drink. And I find it fascinating that um, this is, Jesus says all of this in the middle of his big teach commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount, and he is teaching his disciples and the crowds that were listening um, about how to live in the kingdom of God, how to live in his kingdom and push into it. And um, he has just before he starts talking about not worrying, he is talking about money. And Jesus is saying, invest in eternal things, not earthly things, put your treasure in heaven. Uh, he's talking about being generous, and he's, a, he's reminding us to beware that we can't serve both God and money. So Jesus has just said that, and then he says, don't worry. So I believe, along with many other very clever theologians and scholars, that this was totally intentional. It isn't just by accident that Jesus put this um, talk together, this teaching series together, and he just plucked at different topics. It's very intentional. I wonder how many of us in this room worry about money. We are still in a cost of living crisis. Um, we all probably have rising bills, being it food bills, uh, heating bills, car insurance. I don't understand why that's suddenly all gone up drastically. Um, Maybe your rent, mortgages. How many of us are concerned with how we will pay for our food bill? How we will um, pay for our shopping this week? How we will make our money stretch that little bit further? You know, if we are unemployed or on low-income jobs, then the worry is incredibly real. We think about every penny that we spend. So let's be real and acknowledge that that is the place that many of us are in. And then Jesus is saying, but don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or what you'll wear. In a nutshell, if you listen to anything this morning, just listen to these two sentences, and then you can go back to sleep. Um, 
If we are going to take Jesus' perspective on money seriously and not store up treasures on earth, but invest in the kingdom, and if we're going to be generous, and if we're going to serve God and not money, then we need to not worry about what we will eat, drink, or wear. If we are pursuing God and his kingdom, as it says in verse 33 that we've just read, we can trust him to provide for all of our needs. So I'm just going to unpack these verses a little bit and then maybe look at some top tips. So verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, or, what, or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more, more than food and the body more than clothes? In this, I think we need to rem- I need reminding of this really regularly because I easily forget that the same God who created life in us can be trusted with the details of our lives. God cares about the small things. Maybe we don't think that what we will eat and what we will drink and wear is small, but God cares about all of it and we can trust him. You know, for this, this week, an answer to prayer that we've seen in our family is that God even cares that we learn our times tables. My youngest daughter uh, was worried one, on Tuesday because they do something called TT Rock Stars. There's a few people that might have heard of that. It's testing your tables. And, um, and Abby was worried because she is, like all of us in our family, not amazing at times tables um, but she was that she was listed bottom in the class and that was really hard for her and we prayed and I specifically prayed that God would help her on Wednesday he would do something in her brain I'm all about the miraculous and the supernatural and that she would be able to have time to do what she needed to do and she came home the next day and she was like mommy I'm in the top two and I was like that we prayed and she was like we did I was like yes Um, And for that moment, I was like, God cares about the little things. She was worried because she she felt like she wasn't doing very well. And he heard her prayer and he did something miraculous. I'm just, more Lord, that's my prayer. God is interested in the details, the big stuff and the little stuff. He's interested in what we are concerned about. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Do we know how priceless we are? Do we know and understand and grasp how valuable each of us are? You know, worry is so often tied up with how we see ourselves, or more accurately, our understanding or misunderstanding of how God sees us. We are priceless. We celebrated the Lord's Supper today because God sacrificed everything so that we could be in his kingdom. We as human beings are God's pinnacle of creation. We can see with our own eyes how he cares about the birds and the flowers. They look amazing and they are looked after. God does that for them and he does it for us too. Isaiah 43 verses 1 to 4 says, I call you by my name. You are mine. He's saying each of us this morning, you are mine. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel who saves you. You are of great worth in my eyes. You are honored and I love you. 
Can we hear that this morning? Libby, you are mine. Libby, you are of great worth in my eyes. You are honoured and I love you. Insert your own name into that. Lydia, you are mine. You are of great worth in my eyes. Lydia, you're honoured and I love you. Mike, I, you are mine. You are of great worth in my eyes. You are honoured. and Mike, I love you. You know, a priceless painting is priceless because of the person that painted it. Our value comes from the one who made us. So he absolutely will take care of us. Verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Worrying about the future can negatively affect us. It can cause more harm than good. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. God does not ignore those of us that depend on him. And I think we often have the tendency to make it way more complicated than it is. You know, he's talking there about not worrying about what we look like and looking at the beauty of creation. Society will tell us we need to look a certain way. And um, for those of you that have ever chatted to any teenagers, you might realize that it's really, really significant for them. God made each of us in his image. We are all beautiful. You know, 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks at the outside, but God looks at our hearts. Peter 3 says uh, that true beauty comes from a heart of kindness and gentleness, a calm and faithful trust in the Lord. He loves us. He won't ever leave us and he won't forsake us. Verse 31, oh, you of little faith, so don't worry by saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows what you need. Worrying about this stuff shows a lack of faith and a lack of understanding of God, which sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? I say that to myself. Libby, when you worry, it shows your lack of faith and your lack of understanding of God. Well, my prayer is that, God, you would help me in my unbelief. God, you would grow my faith. God, you would help me to understand you more so that I can trust you in everything. That I can trust you more and worry less. And then verse 33. In all of this, in all of this worry, don't do it, don't do it, Jesus is saying, don't do it. But... Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The antidote to worry is to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. God wants us to pursue him, to pursue his kingdom and worrying potentially could keep us from pursuing him. Worry is a web that entraps us. 
Verse 34, therefore don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus encourages us to live one day at a time, to put one foot in front of the other, to use his light to, as a lamp unto our feet. And in some respects, this sounds so simple, right? If only we could grasp it and live it. I think it, it feels more complicated. If worry robs you of the peace that Jesus offers us, then I absolutely believe that he is saying to each of us this morning, as he was saying to his original hearers 2,000 years ago, that we don't need to worry about the things of this life. We don't need to worry about money and food and clothes. But what we are to do is to trust him. You know, perhaps this is the issue that, we're, that it really kind of gets to, is our trust of him. Will God actually provide for what I need? Will God actually come through in this? There's a saying that I heard a number of years ago, and it says, God always pays for what he orders. And if God has asked you to do something, if God is directing your life in a certain way, then I absolutely believe he will provide for what you need in that. His promises are real and true. He won't leave us nor forsake us. We just have to look at the birds and the flowers to be reminded of that. I was thinking of a few examples I could give of where um, God has specifically provided. Um, and at the beginning of this year, we had a quite a big bill to pay um, and we'd been putting off paying it. We should have paid it um, in December. Um, and then the week before Christmas, um, a relative that is not close to us um, put some money in our bank account. And um, she didn't tell us she was going to do it. We didn't know in advance. Uh, it just appeared. Um, and it meant that we could pay that bill in January, which was just amazing. And we were telling the kids about this this week. Um, and they just couldn't believe it. It kind of blew their head off. What? What? She just put that much money in our bank account? We were like, yeah. Because they were like, they didn't think that God would do that. But he did. God provided in a totally unlikely way and totally unexpected, but he did. God will provide for our needs, probably in totally unexpected ways and probably not in the timing that we would quite like. But God is God and we are not. But he absolutely provides And maybe we're being invited into a season of building up that trust muscle, of learning what it is to really trust in God and seek first his kingdom because then everything else will be added to us. You know, we were talking about this this week with with the kids um, over dinner and and Nat said really, who's our 11-year-old, really plainly, well, well what, what does that even mean to seek first the kingdom of God? And I was like, well, that's a really good question. If you could just answer it, then I'll use that in my sermon on Sunday. Um, but we had a conversation about it. And, and so I said, well, this is what I'm thinking. And so I told him what I'm about to tell you. And he just looked at me and went, well, you make that sound really easy. And I was like, yeah, sounds easy. Maybe not quite so easy to live out. So I say that just for authenticity and transparency. Um, I'm hoping that you might think that these top tips are, uh, 
uh, acceptable. And if you've got better ones, then please let me know. But what does it mean? If we're, it's okay, so if we're not going to worry, but we are going to seek first God's kingdom, what does that look like? What does that look like? Three really quick, simple things. Firstly, we need to turn to God first for help. For those of you that heard Pip talk last week, she pointed out that the disciples are in this boat with Jesus. Jesus is fast asleep. The storm is raging. And it, they wait until they feel like they're about to drown before they wake Jesus up. That was the thing that really stood out to me. Rather than when it's just getting a bit choppy and some of them are feeling a bit sick and a little bit scared, do they go to Jesus then? No, they wait until they're about to drown. So I think we need to go to Jesus first. Seek God's help first. Be quick to seek him. Let prayer be our first response in every situation, not our last one. Secondly, Will we fill our thoughts with the things of the Lord and his desires? Hebrews says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Will we fill our hearts and our minds with God's word, with worship, with wholesome talk? I think seeking first God's kingdom involves being intentional about what we read, what we watch, what we listen to, what we talk about, what we dwell on, what we think about. So will we go to God first? Will we be intentional about what we fill our hearts and minds with? And thirdly, uh, will we look to Jesus as our model? That's totally nicking one of Pip's points from last week. Look to Jesus. I heard this week a friend of mine who's a pastor of Croydon Vineyard, he says, uh, the attention you give the son, S-O-N, determines who you become. I thought, well, I'm going to steal that. The attention that you give the son, Jesus, determines who you become. Will we look to him? Use him as our model and as our pattern for life. You know, he was amazing at carving out time to spend with his father. He was obedient to everything the father asked him to do, and he served wholeheartedly. We can look to Jesus. We can use him as our model and our pattern. And I think that is stepping towards seeking the kingdom, seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. And if there's anything stopping you from seeking him, you know, the phrase Pip used last, last week, do whatever you can to live in his presence. If there's fear caught up in that, if there's shame, if there's busyness, if there's anything that is stopping you from doing that, I want to encourage you to look at that stuff and to take a step towards him. Maybe this year could be a year where you know God's peace more than you ever have. And by us living and walking in the peace of God means that we find ourselves in situations where we are the one that is bringing peace to others. By us being that non-anxious presence in, in a place where there is a lot of worry and anxiety, it has an effect on other people. We want to be a people that are living with the peace that Jesus brings. 
And so probably all of us, on some level or another, we need to think afresh again about what it looks like to seek first his kingdom and to trust him with everything. Why don't, why don't we stand? We're just going to invite the presence of God to increase.